Amen. <laughs> Praise God. God is so good. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Who can believe it? We're at the end of 2023 already. I thought it just started a couple of weeks ago. My goodness. Well, like Pastor Nid says, time's not going faster. We're slowing down. <laughs> uh, praise God. We stated in a service some weeks ago that back in August, the seasons had changed. And that the anointing changed the beginning of August. And Pastor Nid and I discussed it several months ago that something was happening. But then I came across a word from the Lord that was given in July of 2020, 2023. And the word of the Lord said, it's time and season. A new season has taken place spiritually. Because you know that's where all things start, spiritually. And this is why it's so important to be connected and pay attention to what's happening spiritually. Amen. And it says... It is going to blossom in a very short time because the time is at hand for me to bring my people higher and farther than they've ever been before. The season has changed. So that's at the end of July. That was a believers meeting at the end of July. And um, the Lord stated that the season had changed. Well, by August, there was a change in the anointing. Now, if you don't recognize that, I suggest you go back and start listening to the things from the beginning of August and start seeing how things had changed. The anointing changed, the directions changed, the, uh, the, the, the uh, ministry and teaching changed. There was a lot of changes that took place in August. And I had forgotten about that word in July, but recognized that there was a change. And like I said, Pastor Nid and I had talked about it, that something had changed, something had happened. And the Lord said in July, it's going to blossom. It was happening there at the end of July, but he said it's going to blossom in a very short time. Well, I'd say that was a short time into August. Isn't that right? Amen. And the season changed for what reason? God's desire is to bring his people higher and farther than they've ever been before. But here's the deal. If you don't recognize what's going on, we ain't going no place. You've got to recognize and get connected with what's going on. Are you with me? This is important. You know, it's no different than when the Lord said to Joshua, get the people prepared for in three days you're going to cross this Jordan. Well, the people could have sat there and said, oh, I don't need to be ready. Just tell me when it's time to go. And that's the way a lot of Christians are. I don't have to be ready. Just tell me. Well, he's telling you to prepare you. Because if you're not prepared, you're not ready to go. And he's trying to get us to go someplace. And he's trying to get you to go someplace. Isn't that right? It's not just us as a group. It's you as an individual. So based on the recognition of a change in the anointing beginning in August, this was a word from the Lord that it's time to revisit and to remember some things to revisit and to remember some things. Because in August, who came in August? Terry Mize came in August, didn't he? Terry and Renee Mize, right? And as I was closing the service, I remember just standing up here closing the service and Renee was sitting there and she jumps up and she starts speaking in a tongue. She didn't start speaking in tongues. She started speaking in a tongue because it was a prophetic word. See, there's a difference between speaking in tongues and speaking a tongue. A tongue, the prophetic word, is a gift of speaking in tongues. But any believer filled with the Holy Ghost can speak in tongues. You don't need the gift. The Holy Ghost is the gift. The tongues comes with them. But she got up and spoke a tongue, which was a prophetic word, which comes from the Spirit of God. And then she said what that tongue was. It says the leadership, and she was actually speaking to me, the leadership you have shown to this church, the path you have created for the people to walk through is sacred before the throne of God. His anointing and his glory is on you in these last days to continue to fight through the jungle, through the hindrances and the hurdles that hell has tried to stop you. And he says, 
my grace is sufficient. Yes, indeed. Glory to God. He said, she said, by the Holy Spirit, you live in the power of what is in you. It will come out of you and get on you and provide for you moment by moment without delay. Using your faith, you will have, you will say, you will see it, and you will lead the people into those promises that I have given. Don't take anything off the devil, not one little tiny cell of your brain. No unbelieving, doubt, worry, fear. They don't get one cell in your brain. God owns you. He lives in you. And everything that you let go out of your spirit will be of faith. Glory to God. But notice what was the whole reason and purpose for all of that. Because he wants to lead you into the promises that he's given. He wants to lead you into that. But again, we have to connect. Isn't that right? Amen. We have to take hold of what the Lord is saying. We have to get that into our heart, into our spirit. Amen. And just like she said to me, I say to you, don't take anything off of the devil. Don't give him one little bit of your brain cell for unbelieving, for doubt, for worry, or for fear. It is not of God, and it doesn't belong in you or to you. Isn't that right? And she said, God owns you. Well, if he owns me, he owns you. Amen. Amen. How many of you have ever lived someplace, uh, let's say you had a landlord, the landlord owned your house. And when the landlord wants to do something or whatever, you throw him out. You go, don't bother me. I don't want to talk to you. No, because that was the next point. He'll throw you out. So you give place to the one that owns. God owns you. He's not somebody you visit with. He's not somebody you just come across with every once in a while and give him a little shundai shundai. He owns you. You are his personal property. And whoever owns the property is the one that says what happens with that property. It's not the renter of the property, it's the owner. God owns that property that you're sitting in. Hallelujah. And his ownership is not so that he can benefit off of it. He's trying to benefit you. And for us not to give him place as the owner, for us to only spend some time with a little visit once in a while, for us to only show up with a shandai shandai every so often, he can't do what he wants to do on his property. And he's trying so hard to do what he wants to do on his property, which would be you. Amen. Hallelujah. See, and if you get that, really, I mean, if you get that, I mean, don't even sit there and say, yeah, 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 we do that. You don't do it. You know it, and I know it. So don't even try to fool God. But if you would get that, everything that comes out of you would be faith. You know, it's just like, I, you know, Pastor Nid said the other, the other day when she was teaching. What did she say? I'm going to read it. Because it was good. I, I took a note on it. Let me read what she said. Uh, let me see here. It's right there. She said, We all agree that God has all of our answers. See? And we all say yes. Then how come you don't have answers you need? How come you're still looking for answers? If God has all your answers, you just agreed and said, God has all my answers. Well, why don't you have the answers then? Because you're looking for them someplace else. You're looking for them within your own self and you're not looking for them in here. Say, what if I told you in the book of Isaiah, there is a verse in there that's going to create you to be a multimillionaire. There's one verse in the book of Isaiah. That's a big book. One verse in the book of Isaiah is going to create you to be a multimillionaire. What would you do? You'd go read it and read it until you found that verse because the answer was in there. Now, you just said your answers are in God. God is your answer for everything. But where are you searching? Where are you looking? We look every place else, but we give God a little five minutes here or there and think we're going to get some answers. 
when yet your answers are waiting in the presence of God. Now, how long did worship take today? About a half an hour? Something like that? And it took that long to get into where we needed to be. So a lot of times people want to come in for a Sunday service and give me like two or three songs and we'll be good because they think it's just a warm-up. Don't be spending all my time. And, you know, what did Terry Mize tell us a couple of years ago? What is the biggest problem that God has in trying to meet people's needs? They don't give him the time. They have their own time, their own schedule, their own thing. And they don't give God the time. I have been in many services that was... Two, two and a half hours long. And I'd be sitting there and the pastor be doing the service. And it wasn't until the very last five minutes that I got something. I got what I needed in the last five minutes. Well, I could have just listened to the tape and gotten that. No, you wouldn't. You know why? Because you'd be as distracted, more distracted listening to the tape than you are sitting here. You know, I love you, right? Happy New Year. So again, if God has all of our answers and we agree to it, then why are we in situations without answers? Because it's so easy to say, yes, I agree with that theologically, logically, but not in practice. See, and there's a big difference, and this is something you've got to learn now this year. It's not about what you know. It's what you do. If you don't do, you don't know. Now, we've said this for a long time, but I'm telling you, it's getting down to that crucial point. Amen. So the purpose of the shift in the anointing is the, for the pouring out of faith that needs to be caught. You've got to go beyond what's taught, and it's got to start being caught. You have to catch faith. You have to catch it. Every principle of the word of God applies to every part of your life. And if we're not applying it, then we're not catching it. You know, Jesus taught on the parable of the sower. But the disciples, you know, he even explained to them what the parable of the sower was about. But then he says, go over to the, let's go over to the other side and actually puts it into practice. And they're freaking out on the water. Why? Because they didn't apply it into their life. Jesus fed the 5,000, baskets left over, but they didn't catch the fact about the leaven of the Pharisees because it wasn't applied. Well, I know about feeding people, and I know about farming, but, I mean, on the water, uh, uh, the leaven of the Pharisees, it's supposed to apply. That's why he taught it, and then it should apply. He applied it. They didn't. So the biggest, one of the biggest problems with the body of Christ is they need a teaching about dealing with depression. They need a teaching about dealing with anxiety. They need a teaching about dealing with fear because they have not taken the principles of the word and put it into their life. And one of the other reasons is that they don't spend any time with the Lord to show them that there's fear, that there's depression, that there's anxiety. Therefore, they don't deal with it. And then they walk around saying, well, I've got all the answers I need, but you're a depressive mess. Are you with me? And yet, God is the answer for all of those situations if we'll catch the word and then apply it into our life. That alone has to be caught. Connecting and taking hold of and walking under that anointing of faith. The more we connect, the more we take hold of, then the more the corporate anointing will increase in us, on us, and among us. This is the purpose of the shift in the anointing, to bring us higher, to bring us farther, through our catching of faith. His glory and his anointing desires to lead us into the promises that he's given to us. That's his desire. And I'm We've said this many times, you know it and I know it. His desire is greater to give it than our desire is to have it. Although yet we say we want it, oh dear God, but you don't want it enough to go where the answers are. Yeah. So it's just a soulish thing. 
and it's not something where your will is set on the things of the Spirit. Are you with me? I'm just trying to help you to discern one thing from another so we understand where we're at. Hallelujah. His desire is for faith to pour out of our spirit to go forth and create in this life. See, faith out of your spirit creates in your life. The word comes into you to develop you and goes out from you to create for you. Because it's the living word. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. So therefore, I have to catch faith. Faith has to be alive in me and go forth from me. Amen. God is always declaring what he wants to do in us, for us, and through us. Always. Always. So 2024 is a year to revisit, refresh, and refire. It's the three R's of 2024. Revisit, refresh, and refire. So go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Hallelujah. God is good. Thank you, Jesus. He says, I consider it right as long as I am in this uh, earthly dwelling. Okay, I'll put my glasses on. I consider it right as long as I'm in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder. All right, the importance of revisiting and reminders. Reminders will refresh you and stir you up means it'll refire you. Now, the, the, the per look, look at verse 14 and 15. 14 and 15. So he wants to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me, and I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. So why do we have to have reminders and be stirred up in the word so that when we're on our own, we can recall these things to mind? You know, the Bible talks about how the word of God will talk to you when you go on the way. Well, your whole, the whole idea of spending time in the Word and, and, and reading the Word and getting that into you is not so you can sit there and go, oh, 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 that's wonderful. Well, that can be. But the whole idea is so that it gets in you so that when you go on the way, the Holy Spirit has something to talk to you about, show you. You get into a situation, He brings the Word up on the inside of you and you know what to do. That's the whole idea of getting into that Word. Because he can't do it outside of that. You say, well, you know, uh, God can talk to me even if I'm not in the Word. Well, how do you know it's God? Yeah. Let me ask you that. How do you know it's God? Go ahead, throw yourself off the pinnacle of the temple. It is written, God will give his angels charge over you to bear you up lest you strike your foot against the sun. How do you know if that's God or not? Yeah. You don't know it unless you know the anointing that's in that Word when you're spending time in the Word. And if you don't recognize the anointing when you're spending time in the Word, it's time to revisit. Yeah. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the midst of trials, we need to be able to recall what the Word of God says. There needs to be a recall on the inside. God, what is the Holy Spirit? What's one of His ministries? He will bring to your remembrance what He said. Well, how do you know what He said unless you read what He said? And if you don't read what he said, he's got nothing to call to your remembrance. And then you're like, well, I don't know. I guess God's not saying nothing to me. Well, he's got nothing to say to you. You didn't put nothing in you. He's got nothing to bring out from you. We have to continually be putting in so he can be continually bringing out. Hallelujah. So he says here, I'll stir you up so that after my departure, you'll be able to call these things to mind. Well, this implies a warning to us. The way it's written in the Greek, it implies a warning means, now don't forget this. Don't forget this. You know, one of the great Bible figures that we know of that forgot was Lot's wife. Yeah. 
The Lord said, don't turn around. She forgot. She's a salty pepperoni today. <laughs> you know, I used to tell my kids all the time, don't tell me you forgot. Forgot is not an excuse. You disobeyed, but I forgot. Don't matter. I told you. You said you forgot. Don't matter. You'll be disciplined. Forgot is not an excuse. And every time you want to use the forgot as an excuse, the devil will use it as access. Amen. It's not an excuse. That you'll be able to bring these things to mind, that you'll have recollection, that you can exercise your mind. This is why you want to meditate and mutter the word to keep it in mind. You know, we know where in Joshua, the Lord said, but you shall, uh, he said, this book of the Lord shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Change the word. What does meditate mean? Mutter. This book of the Lord shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall mutter it day and night. Not think about it, mutter it. You need to mutter the word. You need to be speaking the word. You don't have to be speaking it out loud so everybody in the elevator hears it. You can just be speaking it to yourself. I could speak things out right now and you'd never hear me even with a microphone on. Are you with me? Why do we want to do that? So we don't forget it. So we don't forget it. James chapter 5, verse 8. James 5, 8. He says, you also being patient, strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. Preparing for the days ahead. Well, if we're preparing for the days ahead of the coming of the Lord, aren't we also preparing for the days of adversity? Because if all you were preparing for is the Lord's coming, why do you have to strengthen your heart? Because men's hearts will fail because of fear. There's adversity coming. What do we know about dealing with promises of God in this earth? We know that the closer you get to manifestation, the more adversity there is. Do you think Satan's going to just sit back and go, oh, Jesus is coming, nothing I can do about it. Well, there is nothing he can do about that, but there is something he can do about you if you let him. Are you with me? Amen. Satan's last chance, just like when we're believing God for promises and the manifestation, just before the manifestation, the pressures increase because it's Satan's last chance to get you to quit. Because if you don't quit, you win. Well, I don't, see, I don't see how I'm winning. I mean, this is rough. Yes, it's precious because he's trying to get you to quit. And if he can get you to quit, you lose. But if you don't quit, you will win. Amen. Amen. Now, if he can't use precious to get you to quit, the next thing he'll do is try to lull you to sleep in the slumber of carnality so that you won't be ready and you'll miss the manifestation just like the five foolish virgins. They missed it. Nothing wrong with sleeping, but when you're lulled to sleep within, there's an issue. If we think that the things we talk about produces fear, if we think, oh, okay, so the Lord's coming is near, but oh, adversity is coming, oh, pressure's coming, oh, stressful times is coming upon the earth, this is just creating fear, then you don't know your place in Christ. And it's time to grow up and get out of that carnality. Are you with me? This isn't designed to produce fear because in Christ, there is no fear. If I am truly in Christ, if I am truly living in Christ, not just born again, but I'm living in Christ, there's no fear. No fear at all. No worry, no anxiety. There's none of that. 
But when I'm outside of him, going to be all kinds of problems. Look at Luke chapter 21. Luke 21, verse 25 through 28. It says, There will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth dismay among nations in perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves. And men fainting from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these things begin to take place, straighten up, lift up your head, because your redemption is drawing nigh. See, if you have a reality of what's going on, there's going to be no fear. Look at it in the Passion Translation, verses 25 through 28 in the Passion Translation. It says, and at last, when you oh, expect to witness amazing and perplexing signs with the sun, the moon, the stars, the raging of the sea will bring desperation and turmoil to many nations. It's not climate change. <laughs> Earthquakes will bring panic and disaster. What men see coming to the earth will cause the fear of doom to grip their hearts. For they will even see the powers of the heavenly realm shaken. Now, the heavenly realm is the stars and the atmosphere. And at last, when you see how the Son of Man comes, surrounded with a cloud, with great power and miracles and the radiance of His splendor and with great glory and praises, it will make you jump for joy, for the time of your full transformation has arrived. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Okay, so, again, your perspective. So Jesus is going to be coming back. When are you going to be ready? When you see him? Well, the five foolish virgins thought that they were ready. They weren't ready. It's about preparation. Getting ready for it. Getting ready for what's leading up to it. Getting ready for what's coming upon the earth. And always knowing redemption's drawing nigh. Hallelujah. Amen. Go ahead, devil, stir up a storm, because that just means we're getting out of here soon. Amen. How many of you don't want to get out of here? <laughs> uh, praise God. Now, back in 2015, there was a word given from the Lord. Now, here's something you need to understand about prophetic words. When prophetic words are given, they're out there waiting to be picked up. Doesn't matter if it's a year, two years, ten years down the road. When somebody picks it up, then it will be good. It could sit there. You know, Pastor Nid could pick it up. Anita could pick it up. And Pastor Morgan don't pick it up. But for them, it would be picked up. For Pastor Morgan, it's still sitting there until he gets to it. It's a prophetic word. They're eternal. They don't disappear. They don't go away. They're eternal. So here is a word from 2015. For behold, I'm doing a new thing. Will you not hear it? These are the last days, and I'm calling you to press into me for more than you pressed in before. You've come far, but there are so many levels that you haven't touched. I'm calling you to come deeper. For I'm doing a new thing in you and through you. Will you not see it? I'm calling you to come and see it. Stir it up, stir it up, stir it up. You can't expect it to just fall on you. Press in, press in, press in. For today is Sunday, tomorrow's Monday, and the next day is Tuesday, and every day is a new day. But my new day does not start like a Monday or a Tuesday. My new day starts when you press out of the old and press in for the new. And when you press for the new, that new day shall come. Oh, yes, I am planning a new day, and I'm looking forward to that new day. But you need to press in. 
you need to press in and take hold of and get into position and get ready for the dawning of that new day. For the new day will come. The new day will surely come. For I have declared it and I have said it, but you need to be ready for that new day and not just visit and still be living in the old day. For when I'm doing new things and I'm moving in a new way, I want you to be moving with me and I want to be moving through thee. So press in, press in for that which I have, press in to that which I do. Press into this day, press into this day and walk into the new life that I have planned for you. Hallelujah. Now you can pick that up today and it'd be just as good as when it was said and spoken in 2015. Amen. It may have flown by you in 2015 and never gave it a thought, but today is another day, an opportunity to take hold. Amen. So let's say it together. I'm pressing in for a new day. I'm pressing into my God. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to move off course. I'm pressing in. I'm walking down the path. I'm walking down the road. I'm coming to the place that is designed for me in my life. A new day and a new way. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Go over to 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This is now, beloved, the second letter I am writing to you in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. There are prophetic words, many prophetic words that have been spoken to this body over the years. We know Terry Mize is an apostle to this church. Isn't that right? We've had many, many prophetic words spoken through Dr. Dennis Burke, Pastor Datha Thomas, uh, Pastor Rob Sowell, Dr. Doug Wingate, and many others. And reminders are designed to stir us up and refire us, to stir up our mind. Why does your mind have to be stirred up? So that you'll meditate on it, you'll mutter it, you'll talk it to yourself, you'll consider it, you'll ponder it. Why? Because we want to press in. See, you press in for what stirs you up. Whenever you have something that'll stir you up, you will press in. Now, the things of God will never stir up your flesh. They'll never stir up your unrenewed mind, nor will it stir up your carnality. So you're going to have to make a decision and not just go by a feeling. You're going to have to decide to press in, to step in, and get stirred up. Isn't that right? Amen. Glory to God. So he wants us to remind again. He said this in 2 Peter, just like in the first letter. Reminders are what stirs up our mind. Reminder, reminders are not designed for pride. What does pride do? Pride will go, oh, I know that. Oh, I've heard that. Yeah, I know about that. That's pride. Because it's not designed to stir up your pride, it's designed to stir you up into remembrance. Amen. And the next time that your flesh wants to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you where it's not working in your life, where you're not doing it in your life, the way you think you know it. Why would the Holy Spirit want to stir you up and remind you if you're living in it? Amen. Reminders is so that we can revisit it, consider it, and have remembrance of it. Acts 3.19. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. 
Peter says, therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Now we know the truth of this for the sinner, that he would return and his sins be wiped away. But it's also truth for the believer, for the believer that needs to repent and the believer that needs to turn and the believer that needs to change. Isn't that right? Because we know repentance doesn't mean to apologize. It doesn't mean to say, I'm sorry. It means to make a turn, make a change. Right? God is, he, he does not lie or anything. He does not need to repent. He don't need to change. Everything he says is pure as truth. It's always right and righteous. He never needs to turn. He does not need to repent. It's not because he don't need to tell you he's sorry. And repentance towards God means, okay, I see what I'm doing is wrong. I confess my sin. I turn from that. I turn in a whole different direction. Isn't that right? This is change. That's what repentance is about. Change. A change in direction. It could be a change in attitude. Oh, who's ever had to change their attitude? Don't raise your hand. How about a change in our character? You know, faithfulness is a character trait. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. Well, maybe I've been faithless. Now, when we think about faithless or faithful, what do we usually think about? We think about marriage relationships. Oh, I'm, I'm faithful to my spouse. Or they've been unfaithful to their spouse. Well, how about faithful with your words when you talk about somebody? That's character. How you talk about people shows your character. Or lack of it. How many times have you ever thought about saying something and you knew it was gossip? Because you were talking about somebody and you thought, oh, now I don't need to say that, I don't need to say that. But your flesh got so strong, oh, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Come on. Oh, thank you. We're all in that boat. We're trying to swim in a different direction. You know, you might have areas of our life where we don't have self-control. That's character issues. We might have areas in our life where we don't have joy. It's character flaw. It's fruit of the Spirit. It's all character. Love, joy, peace, endurance, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. Amen? So we might need to make a change in our character, change in our words, a change in how we treat other people. Mm. Whether we know them or not, whether they're kind to us or not, how do we treat other people? Well, I was in the checkout and they about bit my head off, so I gave them a piece of my mind. Can you afford that? I mean, you know, with the price of inflation, you might not be able to afford as much of your mind as you used to. <laughs> and these are things that we all deal with. Now, to many people, those are little things. But the little foxes spoil the vine. The vine of manifestation that you're trying to have in your life, those little foxes will spoil that vine especially when the vine is in blossom and things start looking like they're going good, the devil comes in here with little character issues and gets you moving in that direction, gets you to shut things down. Amen. If I was to leave here today and go to Orlando, I'm going to get on I-75 and head south towards Miami. Where were we going that time? We were going to Miami, and because of such a habit, every time, you know, most of the driving now when I leave here is I get on I-75. So out of habit, I got on I-75 and headed north. And I'm like, what are you doing? We're supposed to be going to Miami. But it was always a habit to get on the north end of I-75. So I had to go to Harborview Road, get off, and turn around. So I was headed north, but I realized my mistake, sin, 
and I repented, turned around and headed in the opposite direction. See, just like heading in the opposite direction, wrong direction in your car, you could be headed in the wrong direction in your life, and it's called sin. Now, sin don't mean necessarily murder, covetousness. You know, Colossians tells us that as a new believer in Christ, we should consider our body dead to immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, and greed. And greed don't just have to do with money. It's a big word. But we're supposed to put those things off from us. So although we look at immorality and impurity and like, oh man, that, that is really sin. Well, so is greed. Greed is sin too. Covetousness. You know, when we realize that we're in them, we need to get out of it. And the only way out is to repent and turn. Amen. Amen. Returning back to where we need to be. So I needed to head in the direction I needed to go on I-75. Where do you need to turn to be? Where's God called you to be? We have so many worries. We have so many concerns about so many things. But yet the key thing is obedience. Don't be the third person in the parable of the sower. You hear the word, but there's so many things to worry about, so many concerns. Everything comes in and chokes that word that you've heard. And therefore, you can never be obedient. And when you're never obedient, you can never have the results that you need. And your worry is not going to help you get results. Your desire for other things is not going to help you get results. The cares of the world that you take on is not going to help you get results. They're going to push you down, 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 down. Until you finally make a decision and said, I've had enough. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. So we need to repent. He said, so that your sins may be wiped away. Repent and return. Returning to where we need to be. In order that, times of refreshing. The word times of refreshing means relief from distressful, burdensome circumstances. Relief from distressful, burdensome circumstances. So repent return so that you can get relief from those distressful burdensome circumstances that you're trying so hard to get yourself out of. And you can't get yourself out of because you're no match for what the enemy's doing. And what you need to do is get back into obedience. Times of refreshing also means breathing space. Have you ever thought, man, I need some breathing space? Well, how do, we, how do we say things like that? I need, we don't say, I need breathing space. We say, I need to get away. I need to go on vacation. I need to go here. I need to go out and eat. I just need to get away and forget about this stuff. See, you're looking for breathing space. Well, breathing space don't come because you went out to eat. Breathing space don't come because you go on vacation. Because when you come back, the crap is still there. That's not breathing space. It's a carnal break is all you're getting. It's like sometimes you're just so, got so much pressure on you, you're like, I just need to lay down and sleep. Anybody ever do that? Just need to lay down. I just need to lay down and get some sleep. So what are you doing? You're resting your body. You're momentarily resting your mind. You're doing nothing for your spirit. When what you ought to do is start praying in the Holy Ghost, spend some time in the Word, get your soul stirred up, get things back on the inside of you, and then lay down and rest spirit, soul, and body. Because the real rest comes out from your spirit, not from your soul, and not from your body. All you're going to do with a soul that's rested up is start the program all over again. That's all you're going to do. And it's not a real rest. Hello. You need to catch it. Breathing space. As a sinner through Christ, we entered into these times. As a believer, we can receive to ourselves and live in these times. Amen. 
How? In your heart, in your mouth. Get it in your heart, in your mouth, get it through you. Get it in your life. And these times of refreshings come from where? From the presence of the Lord. Oh, the source of all our answers. The source of refreshing is from the presence of the Lord. That's where real refreshing comes from. Repenting, returning, gives access again to active fellowship with the Lord. And in his presence, we gain refreshing. Good way is spending time in the word, spending time praying in tongues, spending time meditating on the word, getting into the presence of God, turning away from other things, not letting those other things enter in. Amen. Times of refreshing. Jesus said, I know he said it. It's in red. All you that are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. Right? Amen. Lamentations chapter 5. Lamentations chapter 5, Old Testament, past Proverbs. <coughs> Lamentations. Is it past Proverbs? I think it's past Proverbs. Thank you. It's not one we go to very often. It's under L if you have an alphabetical table of contents. I can't tell you what page it's on because I got a digital copy. Down by Jeremiah, that's right, Jeremiah. He wrote Lamentations, didn't he? Thank you. Lamentations, chapter 5, verse 21. It says, Restore us to you, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old. So what is he talking about here? To renew means to refire. Renew the fire. Reconstruct it, renovate it, to be on fire again. Restoration has been provided for all of us through the precious blood of Jesus. His life was given for us and our sin was paid for. Man, his life was given for us. You know, it just amazes me how that somebody can come to Jesus and have their sins wiped away and then go on and live the way they want to live. It amazes me how this happens. Are we that ungrateful for what Jesus has done or do we think we're just secure? Well, I'm going to heaven, so I mean, it doesn't matter. I've received Jesus, it doesn't matter. But you're living like a slug. And what's going to happen between now and when you see Jesus is going to set your eternity. So here's a question. If the rapture is a matter of faith, living faith, not just what you say, but living faith. If the rapture is a matter of living faith, then will those that don't live that faith for the rapture be included in the nations that are upon the earth? And will we lose that? We'll be saved, just like the nations. They'll be saved, but will they be in the church? It's just a question. You know, I get these theological questions at times. Now you would say, well, that could cause fear. Well, then you don't know your place, do you? And that would only cause you fear if you're not where you need to be. And if you're not where you need to be and that causes fear, you ought to fear. Uh, Hebrew says, let us fear that while a promise remains, we fail to enter into it. Amen. Repentance brings the restoration. Have you ever thought like this? Remembering the old days. Have you ever thought about the old days? Now, I'm not even talking about before you got saved. You all have been saved for a number of years. But what about the old days of when you first got saved? You remember when you were on fire? That you'd work all day, work all week, 
but yet you drive to Arcadia, you drive to Lakeland because there was a meeting going on. Glory to God. We're going to the meeting. Aren't you tired? No. Going to the meeting. Huh? I'm going to get in the anointing. I'm excited for the things of God. And did you ever sit and think about those days? Does it stir you up? Does it stir you up to change? See, it could stir you up and like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But does it stir you up to change? Or do you think those days are gone and they'll never come back again? I mean, when you got saved, when we first got saved, new life was pouring out on us. God's grace poured out on us. The Holy Spirit bottle fed us as newborn babes. But have we fallen back? Have we disconnected? Do we remember how it used to be? You want to feel that way again. How many times have we thought about those days and thought, I'd like to feel that way again? And yet the same grace is available. Of course, those days didn't happen without the grace of God, and it won't happen again without the grace of God. But we're no longer a newborn babe. So now we have to set ourselves. We have to take hold, discipline, and get focused on the goal. Whether it's spiritual, soulish, natural, financial, all areas, we need to do this. Amen. We first started excited. We were excited about the things of God. We were eager to get involved with the things of God. But then we back off. And you need to start again. And we know we should, but we don't. We just want to remember those days. But when we do decide that we need to do something, then you're going to need more discipline for a longer, continual, concentrated time. So, an example, here I am, and I remember how it used to be, on fire, excited. Dear God, those were great days. Yeah, I should do something, right? You know, I, I'm busy, and stuff going on. So I come down the road, and I think, now, it's down further away. Those were great days, wonderful days, excited, the anointing of God, wonderful. Why isn't it happening today? Because, honey, you done walked away. But then we walk a little further away, and it keeps getting further and further. Now, when I realized over here that something had changed, I could have disciplined myself, I could have gotten myself set and done it for a period of time and got myself where I needed to be. But, no. Uh, now I'm down this road. Now it's going to take longer discipline and a greater concentrated amount of time to get that to change. Oh, but then I come down this road, I didn't do anything, so now it's going to take even more discipline and more focus and more concentrated time to straighten things out. When you're down here, it ain't going to take five minutes in the morning. I'll give you five minutes. That isn't going to happen. It's going to take a longer period of time and more focus. Now, spiritually, okay, spiritually, you can get right back and get into the presence of God, and you can have peace in your life. Peace don't change your life. Peace don't change your life unless you get it active in your soul. So just because it's like, Oh, they said, oh, glory to God, glory to God. Praise you, Jesus. Oh, I bless you, Lord. I bless. Oh, I feel so good. Oh, I'm so peaceful. It ain't changed your life. That has done nothing for your life until you start moving that into your life. Are you with me? You've got to get it into your soul, and then with a concentrated, focused committed, active working of decisions. You making a decision today is not going to change your life. You got to do decision after decision after decision after decision. This is why you have so much trouble with diets. No, I'm serious. I'll get serious here. 
And I have to pick on diets because we all deal with it. But dieting is, you know, everybody likes, they want to go on a diet. Oh, I do want to lose. Oh, man, I lost the 10 pounds I wanted to lose. Glory to God, I go back and eat what I used to eat. And create your problems all over again. So if I needed to lose 10 pounds, okay, I disciplined myself for this amount of time, I've lost the 10 pounds. But I didn't do anything over here, so now I need to lose 30. So now I've got to discipline myself a little bit longer to get rid of the 30. But if I didn't do anything there, now i got to lose 70. Well, now i got to discipline myself for an even longer time. But I could have done a short period over there, but no, I didn't want to do anything there. But now it's, dear God, I need to do something that's going to kill me. And now it's going to take a longer disciplined amount of time. And the good thing about the longer disciplined amount of time is you create a lifestyle. And that's what the only thing that creates a major change and a forever change. And the same thing with the Word of God. You can discipline yourself and go, oh, oh I feel so much better. Oh, things are good. And then let everything lay to the side again and go back into the same condition you were in. Or you're going to create a lifestyle of what created the change. Amen. Don't shout me down. So spiritually, we can get back. We can get into the presence of God, have peace, but it's got to get into our soul, and it's got to get into our regular, consistent decisions and choices in life. And you can only do it by remembering, refreshing, and refiring. Joshua 14. Joshua chapter 14, verses 10 through 14. Hallelujah. It says, now behold, the Lord has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years. This is Caleb speaking. From the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses, when Israel walked into the wilderness, and now behold, I am 85 years old today. And I am still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me, as my strength was then. So my strength is now for war and for going out and for coming in. Now then, give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that Anakim was there with great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out as the Lord has spoken. So Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and the, Ken the Kenizzite until this day, because he followed the Lord God of Israel fully. Caleb was ready at 85 years old. He followed the Lord fully. That doesn't mean he was perfect. It means he followed the Lord totally. He did not turn back or turn away from the Lord. He gave his life totally to the Lord. Well, what comes from the presence of the Lord? Huh? Times of refreshing. So where did his strength come from? Because he didn't turn away. Why is it that we're weakening in strength, even in standing on the things of God, because we've turned away from the presence of the Lord? We don't follow him fully. If you're not following him fully, then you're giving way and yielding to the things of the flesh, which is ruining your strength and not increasing it. The presence of the Lord and Joshua, I'm sorry, Caleb following the Lord was a source of strength, not because he had good genes. Dear God, if I hear any more of this scientific nonsense in the church, Oh, he has good, oh, she has good genes. Oh, I tell you what, she's got that personality. Oh, she's just like that. I am sick of this. Carnality at the height. I've heard Pastor Ewellen give testimony about what happened to her. Well, when she fell down, her brain was swimming for a year and a half and then got healed. Well, she's just that kind of a person. Well, she's just a happy person. You have no idea about her life. None. 
But we want to put everything off on personality. Well, I'm just not that kind of person. Well, get off yourself. That's your problem. You're on yourself. Well, this is just the way I am. Change it. You can. You have the empowerment to. God's given you his word, his Holy Spirit, his character, his life, everything. Remove sin from you. What is the excuse? We don't want to. That's the excuse. We just don't want to. I got other stuff going on. And I don't mean to get real passionate about this. But I am passionate about this. Because I care about you. And I've heard the excuses. And there's no reason for it. You can be just like Caleb. He heard that word 45 years ago. And now he's ready. Why? Because he followed the Lord all those 45 years. What do most Christians do? Well, I don't see, I'm not getting what I thought I was supposed to have. It ain't happening for me. Whiny, whiny, whiny. You're not going to hell anymore, are you? How about having a little gratitude? You got more that Jesus did for you in the new birth than you have for your whole life of eternity to say thank you for. You aren't going to be in existence long enough to say thank you enough for what Jesus did for you. Quit whining. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Caleb was fired up and ready to go. His days at 85 were refired. He was refreshed from revisiting what he had remembered when he was 40 years old. This was not looking back and declaring, oh, if only it could be like it was when I was 40. Oh, if only I had the strength that I had when I was 40. Oh, if only it would have been like when I first got saved. Oh, you know, that was just so great back then, but, you know, today it's different. You're the one that's different. God hasn't changed. Grace hasn't changed. Faith hasn't changed. You changed. I changed. It's not him. This is not about, oh, I wish it could be. No, it's about revisiting and remembering that gets refreshed and then refired in the Lord. And I believe this is the year to be refired. Amen. This is the year to get passionate for the things of God. This is the year to where when you talk to somebody, that passion is going to come out of you towards somebody else. It's not going to be like, oh, oh, sister, would you like to receive Jesus? No, this is going to be passion coming out of you. Life coming out of you. Life, spirit and life coming out from you into other people because of getting refired in the things of God. Amen. So lift your hands to the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. If you're on live stream, podcast, just lift your hands right there before the Lord. Say, here I am, Lord. I am ready to step back to where you want me to be, to where you called me to be. I'm ready to take hold of your leadership, your direction, and be obedient to what you say, to be obedient to talk as you would have me talk, to be obedient, to meditate on your word, to get it in my heart and get it in my mouth. Lord, I turn away from the things that's caused me to be distracted. And I turn back to you. I thank you, Lord, that by doing so, refreshing will come to me. Refiring will happen in me. I'm setting myself today and I am looking forward to this happening in my life. It will not just fall on me, but I choose, I desire, and I declare that I will press in. I will press in. I will press in. I'll stir it up, stir it up, stir it up in me, and it will bring about the changes. 
because that word in me will release your grace. And I will take hold of that grace by faith. Thank you for it, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. I am able to take hold of me. I will pick you up. I will carry you on. I will spoon fit you until you gain the strength, the mind, and the power that I fit into your spirit. Oh, come and follow me. I will bring you to the destiny you never dreamed you could get there. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God has great plans for you, each and every one of you in the room, live stream, podcast. God has great plans for you. Amen. All we have to do is connect with him and allow him to move through us and do the things he wants to do. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for your goodness and for your grace that you're more than enough in every situation. Lord, I thank you. Thank you, Lord, that this word will deposit on the inside of us. And through the year, it will continue to grow and grow. This is a seed today, but this seed is going to grow, produce fruit after its own kind. It will bear on the inside of me fruit, and it will bring forth from me manifestations into my life. I thank you for it. Bless you and praise you for that in Jesus' name. Now, Father, as we come before you with our giving, we thank you for the opportunity to bring in our tithe, first fruits, our seed sowing. And, Father, I thank you that as we come to the end of 2023, this is a great time to sow seed into 2024, extra seed beyond what we normally do, because we want our next year sealed and sown into right at the very beginning. This is not, as some people would call, a first fruit offering. They call it a first fruit offering because it's the first of the year. That's not a first fruit offering. It's just your seed being sown to prepare for the year ahead. Amen? Your seed will lay out the path for that which is coming up. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the promises you've attached to tithing, to first fruit giving, and to seed sowing. And we declare those promises over that which we do and thank you that it will produce fruit after its own kind. We thank you and bless you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. If you joined us again on live stream podcast, thanks so much for being with us today. I was sure glad that we could join together and uh, I hope that the passion did not really um, hurt you, but I do hope that it stirred you. And uh, thanks for being with us today. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net, click on the giving link. And I thank you in advance for the seed that you sow. If there's anything we can stand in prayer with you about, please let us know. Um, it's always an honor to stand with our partners and believe God for your needs to be met. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, before they pray over the offering, I just want to make some announcements. Uh, some refreshes for 2024. We have.